0: Welcome to The Way of Light, where we exist to engage Christians in their faith and mobilize them to be light. As you listen to these talks, prayers, and interviews, we hope you would be challenged and inspired to know Jesus more deeply and invite others to do the same.
1: Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to this podcast series, The Way of Light. If this is your first time listening, my name is Zach. I'm the host on this series. And this episode is one I am especially excited for you to hear, really because it was a joy to record. I got to have an interview, specifically my very first interview that we get to bring on to The Way of Light is my sister, Breezy is my younger sister by just under 2 years and we are the oldest there's four of us siblings in our family it's myself and then her and then we have two younger brothers Liam and Evan and if uh if you have siblings if you have people in your life or if you have friendships or coworkers or anybody that is remotely close to you in some way that you would be able to say you think differently And sometimes you don't quite know how to relate or have good conversations with them. In today's episode, my hope for you, my prayer for you is that as a listener who is bound to encounter or be around people who believe differently than you, that your heart would be opened to allowing God's light to shine through you, not only the people around you, but also within you, that you, like me in the moments where you have been driven by pride, potentially, maybe that's just a me problem, but that God would begin to stir that light within you to be able to have conversations in different ways with people who do not see eye to eye with you. And so my sister uh, is, is uh, just is confidently able to say that she has walked away from faith. She does not know Christ. And, uh, and I do not think less of her for that and and I love her like crazy and my love for her doesn't change as my sister for a long time I tried to convince her um uh, of of a whole bunch of things we'll get into it in the interview but um but in this first episode it is really just a conversation just to hear more about our uh, her life and our lives together as brother and sister growing up and what it was like and then in two weeks, we will wrap up that interview with a little bit longer of a segment. We uh, we broke it into two parts because the conversation was just so good that we decided to make it two episodes. So uh, so make sure to listen in the whole thing today. Get to know more of this story because in two weeks, we'll be talking more specifically about faith or the lack of faith and just how to be able to love each other in the middle of our Disagreements and meet each other where we are. So, without further ado, I would love to introduce to you my sister, Breezy. And I know that this is an episode that you will enjoy. So, here we go. Breezy, my sister, my family member in the closest regard, we have four siblings, and you are the closest in relation. And um, Breezy, thank you so much just for taking the time to have a conversation, and I'm looking forward to having other people hear about it.
0: Hey, you are so welcome. I'm very happy to take some time out of my very busy schedule to hop on here and chat with you.
1: Wow. Wow. Right. Now, now, now you say that sarcastically, but the reality is I know that you have a busy schedule because I know a little bit about what you do for a living. Okay. So on, on that note, um, help anybody listening, get to know who are you, who's Brianna or breezy Are you breezy to me, but come on, introduce yourself. Tell us about a bit about you.
0: Um, I'm mostly breezy. I'm Brianna at the doctor's office and the government and government buildings. Um, but I don't know. I I don't know. I feel like I'm figuring out who I am. And I know that's so stupid because everyone is. Mm. But I feel like I'm still figuring that out. It's just like brand new and fresh. Um, I'm a tattoo artist is what well, I mean, that's what I do as my profession. So mm. um, I am busy. I it's it's like drawing all the time, which is so much fun. And yeah. it's amazing because I've never had an opportunity to work in an environment where I have no glass ceiling I can just keep learning and keep getting better and like I have an endless amount of time to do that yeah um which is like I honestly am so stoked on it on it every day sometimes it 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 is hard because like I wake up and I draw for the appointment that day and then I go to work and then I tattoo and then I come home and then I draw for the next appointment Mm. um so it's just like it's constantly drawing which isn't it's not like that all the time right now is the slow mm. season it's it's like christmas and stuff so it's it's slowed down quite a bit but um it's about to pick back up again uh and i'm ready for so when it did,
1: when did that start for you when did when did art drawing and that piece like when did that become prominent a prominent piece of your life
0: i um Actually, I think we talked about this a little bit last time um, because I listened to your first episode where you mentioned um, dad. Yeah, dad being um, a big influence in my life uh, about art. And I was like, actually, that was you. Um, Because when we were little, Zach all the time always wanted to make things a competition because he he was better than me and it's fun to win, obviously. Um, I got, re- but I got really good at losing. I'll say that I'm a really good loser. You're a you're <laughs> I,
1: very yeah. humble person. You're very humble. Yeah. You're very well, humility,
0: Not so much, but if I'm playing a game that I know I'm not going to win, I'll at least like, I'll take someone down with me, you know? Oh, yeah.
1: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you said, so I remember that. So uh for those of you listening, if you have not listened to the first episode, the origin story that Rizzi's referring to, that uh, I, I mentioned just the story of like uh, my, of our dad, like drawing these dots on a page and, and breezy just like picking it up and, and making them into something beautiful. And, and, and then she, she called me out on it. She's like, no, that wasn't, that wasn't dad that inspired me to be artistic. It was, you came home thought you could be artistic and I wanted to be better. Am I right? Am I wrong? Is that well, about
0: it, it was just another competition. Like it was just another day. It was something that you were like, Hey breezy, let's both do this. And then, Mom will be the judge. And mom was pretty good at being honest, which hurt, but I love her yeah. so much for that. Um but we drew yep. a cat and we both showed her the pictures and she was like, "Oh, Breezy's is better." And like up to that point I had not won at all and I was like, "I'm better." And so I just <laughs> I just like I was like, "That's what I'm good at and then I'm just going to keep doing that and I'm I don't care about anything else." And that was pretty much like how it started. Was just my absolute spite that I would be better. And I, I think that wow. you probably remember this in middle school, you were in a freshman drawing class and you brought this picture home of, yep, I know it. Yeah. The hummingbird. And think, yeah. And yep. you were like showing dad and your shading was like actually pretty good in it. And you were better than I was at the time. Like what that was, it was better than what I was doing at the time. And I remember mm-hmm. being so mad at you. I was like, I was genuinely so mad. I remember like being in my room, <laughs> writing in my diary and be like, this is my thing. Um, and so I just like practice harder. And then I remember going back downstairs and just like leaving something out. And I remember it was better than hummingbird and it was like intentional. Mm. I was showing you like,
1: yep. Yep. You can't come for me. Um, That, that like heart of competition can just be like one of life's greatest motivators to pursue a career. Like, uh, so I am so glad that I came home with that hummingbird that day so that you could pursue a career in tattooing
0: yeah you're the reason for all the success it's incredible <laughs> i hope you now, I hope you sleep well every night as, yeah
1: exactly now as much as i would I would love to take credit for that. there's obviously so many other um so many things that that have played into that for you and that that's just that's one of those things that there are a lot of people who would assume like when it comes to uh, a certain certain talents and certain gifts that that people have and abilities. That some are just like, oh, they're inherited. Like some of the stupid people who can run really fast and like jump really high and do sports that I can't do. But they were just born able to do that. And there's other people who have to work for it. You you mm-hmm. might have had to work for it, but it was also like built into you. Like you just had this knack for for art oh. in very unique ways. I remember, um, do you remember uh, that that news article? You were front page of the Bend Bulletin. Or, oh, like, yeah. or the sister's newspaper, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you were like maybe five years old, wearing this little blue jean dress and mm-hmm. a big summer hat and it's raining outside. And and you were literally like the photographer just wanted to take a candid shot of you because you were just staring at the water on the ground, splashing and just enjoying the the like everything around you in the most innocent, the most innocent way. And so I think like I think it's it's been there. It's just come out in different ways over the years. Yeah. It's cool to yeah. think
0: about Yeah. Absolutely.
1: And so I just was thinking of that as, as like a, this was like, like you early on, like five years old, were looking at the world through a lens of like, this is beautiful and, and just enjoying it. Like you just weren't in a hurry to go anywhere. Yeah. You were, just, you were always, <laughs> uh, what kind of pace do you think you went at when you were, uh, five six years old
0: oh that's such a fun question um it's so funny because probably like it it might have seemed slow at times but I think it's always been like 200 like I'm always thinking about something different or whenever I was like little I remember like if I was outside and I was just sitting there staring at one blade of grass it's because I was like looking at all the little veins in it And I or I was like looking at the bugs in the dirt. And I was thinking about their civilizations. And if they had family relationships, and what the family dynamics were like, like, I was sitting there, like staring at one place, but there was like, (laughs) there was stuff going on, not incredibly groundbreaking stuff. But there's like, there's always stuff going on. Um, And I feel like that just is like, I feel like that's still kind of true about so me.
1: You were kind of like men- mentally processing quickly, which slowed you down physically because you were taking in more of the things around you. Is that that like, does that sound accurate or am I totally off there?
0: No, I th- I think that sounds accurate. And and on top of that, I wasn't terribly interested in being um, physically active. So <laughs> it was, it was definitely, um, a combination of the two. I, I was yeah. energetic in my brain, but if you wanted me to like run around or do any sort of activity post like six, I just didn't want to do it.
1: I uh, yeah, I I remember um I remember some of those soccer games.
0: And yeah. I remember I
1: remember <laughs> I remember the dandelion poles. I've had those days. I've had those yeah. days.
0: Yeah, I just I just want to pick dandelions.
1: I just want to pick dandelions. But you enjoy but you enjoy the things around you, which is oh, really Yeah, cool. yeah um, definitely. So uh, you and I, obviously growing up in the same house, just kind of to shift mm-hmm. gears a little bit, um, we had a lot of similar experiences in the things that we walked through in life. And then there was a lot of uh, experiences like we just, uh, even like just, we talk, just like we talked about the way that we looked at the things around us, it was just different. And, and I think it's always been that way for the most part, maybe some of it competition, like one of us is trying to think that we think better than the other thinker and, or we have, have a hobby and we're better at it than the other person. So it was like a little bit of competition, but I think a lot of it, we just, we just thought differently. And for mm-hmm. a long time, it came out in the way of com- competition. Cause I felt, I felt that way for years that I needed to prove something to you for some reason. And I, and to this day, I don't quite understand why I felt that. Um, but as you think about like our upbringing, um, and, and some of the experiences that we had, like, how would you, how would you describe the way that, uh, that we grew up from your perspective, like parents, siblings, where, locations, life?
0: Um, I think we were so, I think we were super privileged. I think I, I, since like I've grown up and I've gotten to like you know, meet more people and definitely meeting more people outside of like the religion that we grew up in. I feel like, oh man, we are so lucky. Our parents are, so, mm. <laughs> our parents were and are so nice. Um,
1: yeah.
0: like, I don't know. I, 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 I remember moments where I felt lost or I felt like I wasn't being recognized, but as an adult, I can see if I had four children I don't even know if I would be reacting this well, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I I see it as pretty idyllic. I know that there were like obviously Mm. hard times with, you know, dad being sick and all that kind of thing. But as far as like familial relationships, I feel like it was like, I feel like it was really solid and I'm super thankful for that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How do do you feel
0: about it? Are you going to tell me? I'm
1: interested uh, oh, to know. Yeah. So I like, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think, um, I think I, I shared a, a lot of the positive things in episode one of the origin story. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's certainly, like you said, there's, there's certainly ups and downs. Um, so like, if I'm, if I'm to define like our upbringing, I'm imagining we had parents who I remember driving with mom and dad Next to the mailbox on Poplar Avenue, next to the canyon where we grew up, like this very yeah. vivid image of where we were driving. Mm-hmm. Remember those mailboxes by the canyon?
0: Oh yeah, and our... bike past them and yes. go down that hill. I hated yep. that.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Active, yep, active. Yeah. Um, but I remember like like a, a very vivid memory of mine is driving past those mailboxes with mom and dad. Uh, it was all it was the four of us in the car. I don't even know if Liam had been born yet. Maybe just. Um, and, and I remember them looking at us and saying, Hey, Zach breezy, we need you to know that we will not use the word divorce in our marriage. Like that is not going to be a part of our language. It's not going to be something we joke about. And it's going to be something that we have committed. Divorce is not an option for us. And so like, for me, a perspective that I had is like, um, for them and where they were headed, it was like, I just remember them committed like they were just they were all in and um, Mm -hmm. and that that to me is a prominent memory of like stability and just just as a reminder of like okay now there were there was hard hard stuff but like that was a a moment of stability but I also know uh, there was the hard stuff was how often it felt like we moved and because we maybe I moved more after i I moved out it was just like moving all the time but it felt like okay so for us being born in New York state, moving to, in which we don't really remember anything from there, but mm-hmm. moving to central Oregon and then being there and moving houses a couple of times and moving to Canada and then being in Canada, moving houses and then moving back to the States a couple of years later. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's just like, it just felt like it was, that's kind of where the instability was for me. Um, but the constants where I knew we were going to go to church every Sunday. Yeah. And I actually, I loved it, but I loved it because I got attention and I loved it because I had responsibility and I actually, I got to go up on stage and sing songs and have people like, I was like saying I was helping people worship God, but really, like, if I'm being totally honest, I felt like people were worshiping me. Like, I just, I enjoyed being looked at as the center. And I also know (laughs) that I was a jerk of an older brother. So (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with, with with some more of that with some more of that context um full transparency you don't have to hold back with me uh tell me about like your perceptions of mom and dad growing up or sibling life but then like what what our relationship was like from your perspective
0: um it it was really just i was like when i was younger i was always kind of like classic big brother little sister relationship He's gonna like he's he's gonna tease me and steal my things. Classic. Like I just I thought that was like just the how sibling dynamics worked until I was probably like I don't know. I think like thirteen, eleven to thirteen. It kind of clicked that other siblings like mostly like to hang out with each other, um, or like didn't really mind hanging out with each other um and then i was kind of like damn why does that like hate me so much mm. um and i think that like when i was younger I, it was like a lot of trying to impress you and so it was a lot of like mm. you would like start a game or like start something that i knew was a means to an end of a joke in my expense but i just so desperately wanted to like have conversation with you that i would still do it mm. um and then when I got older, I was kind of like, you know, I I hit puberty, and I was like, you know, this I'm done trying to like impress Zach. I'm just gonna do my own thing. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I think I think it was just I think you and I'm not saying this in a bad way. I'm saying. I think you really love attention. Like some people thrive on their own. Some people thrive with a me- intermediate amount of company. I think that you thrive truly when like the people that you love are paying attention to you in the same room as you interacting with you. Like, I feel like that's when you light up the most is when you are able to like make people laugh when you're able to like make people feel good emotions because of you being around and I think me being around took a lot of attention away from you because I was such a a maniac sometimes Mm. um and you were pretty well behaved so mom and dad didn't really have to worry about you um the way they had to worry about me doing certain things um
1: (laughs) as far as they were aware
0: exactly, exactly I was pretty good
1: at hiding stuff
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's so funny. I remember like when you would try and hide stuff in high school. Um and mom and dad didn't notice obviously, and I loved it when mom would be like, "I just want to let you know. I know everything that you guys are up to." And I would I was I like,
1: that.
0: "No you don't." Um yep. but I knew it was like a scare tactic, but it was it was like my favorite thing. But I don't know. I think that when we were younger, it was like you were desperate for mom and dad. Hmm. And I get that. Hmm. You know, you're just a little kid, you your instinct is like, you, you're the little version of you, you've got these really strong feelings that haven't quite, like calmed themselves down yet. And Hmm. like your feelings are you want to be loved. And there's nothing wrong with being loved. But I think that Eventually, that probably just made you feel like we were in competition all the time, and that just mm-hmm. led into high school. I mean, maybe none of this is accurate. You can, you can tell oh, me. Oh shoot, we're get is... we like a
1: therapy session over here. I, I, be, I... I told you before recording that my therapist retired and like he, taking on the mantle. This is good, I'm digging deep. It's all oh, good. Yeah.
0: Okay, Um, but yeah, I, I mean, that's kind of how. I see it now was that it started as like a desperation for love. And then it like turned into mm. just this. You were so used to being in competition with me. You just couldn't stop being in competition with me. Mm. Um, which eventually you were like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, obviously you came to that point where you're like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. Cause why eventually trying you're
1: trying to prove something to you.
0: Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that's a lot of what it was, which, you know, when I was younger, I can definitely like it was hurtful when I was younger. Now, I mean, those things don't hurt me anymore. Um, Like, truly, I, I think about them as like, you know, stories of the past, or maybe like reasons I, I am certain ways, but I don't know, I like, I like who I am, and I like my life. Yeah. And so it doesn't really matter. Uh, Turned I, out so okay. I, I,
1: <laughs> I no, I and I appreciate the the transparency too, and that's really what like this this podcast should be about. The way of light is 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 about the authenticity that I believe we need to bring, and especially um, in in the Christian life. And it's not it's not it's not exclusive to the Christian walk. Like this is for people in general. This is why therapy is so beneficial for people. Uh, no matter what you believe, because you get to talk through things, and I'm not saying this is meant to be therapeutic for you, but it's like, but for for me to be able to hear those things and for us to be able to have a conversation about it, I think it, I think we have to have that that place of willingness just to be real about experiences because that that's the truth. Like I was not, I I was not a kind older brother. Like I'm the oldest of four. It's me. It's you, and then it's Liam, and then it's Evan, and between Evan and I, there's almost 10 years between us. So there's just a significant gap. And I, I remember uh, walking through the church lobby one day, and I, I might have been like 14, 15, uh, something like that, 15 or 16, in that range. And I remember mom looked at me, turned around in the, in the church lobby, and she just, she said, why, why? why do you always look at your sister like she's a piece of sh- pope? And I, and I just like, that memory has stuck with me because like, I think that was the first time I realized that she was right. And, and I, I hated that about myself, but I also didn't know what to do about it because to your point, I think that there was, there was part of me as an older brother that, um, that I, I felt like in my, in my pride and pride has been something that I've dealt with my whole life, just thinking that whether it's thinking I'm better than someone else or thinking that I need to be better than someone else. And however Mm -hmm. that appeared, um, I think that pride has has had this deep root inside of me that has come out in so many different ways. And so one of them, I think certainly was the way that I, I treated you unfairly and the way that I looked at you was unkind. And, um, and, and we've had those conversations and I've just, I've felt sorry for years, but I also have come to the place where I've like, we've had those conversations and I don't, I don't allow that shame of it to eat me up like it Good. had for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and so I'm thankful for that, but I can also like freely and willingly acknowledge, like, I was not like, I was not, I look at some siblings and there's an older sibling that's just like real sweet and building up and encouraging their younger sibling and I'm like how the heck are you like that like why why was that and, and and it's interesting that you'd point out like maybe you you felt like maybe i felt like you took some of mom and dad's attention that i had had and really i only had it for like just less than 2 years so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a significant amount of time but at the same time like i also to your other point, loved being the center of attention and many days still do. Like I find myself like thriving off of those moments and have to reel in Mm -hmm. and remember that's not, that's not what it's about. And that's not who I am. I'm not defined by that. Um, so if you're, if you were, um, uh, if you're, if you're being real honest and maybe there's nothing, maybe there's nothing here, but from growing up, what, is there any like prominent memories of there's just, there is something specific that I did um, that you felt like hurt you that you carried for a long period of time?
0: Mm. I mean, there are things that.
1: You can only think of what?
0: There were, there were like, you know, little things that hurt my feelings about how I looked or like how Mm -hmm. you thought other people felt about me. But I think the worst one was when, uh, I was 18, I had graduated from high school and I was at home basically just working and helping take care of dad part-time post-stroke. Yeah. And I was really, really, really depressed at the time. Um, and so I was sleeping all the time cause I just was too tired to be awake. Um, and I remember I like got up from a nap in my room and I like went to the banister and you were downstairs talking to dad on the couch and he was hanging out there by himself, which like, I have a lot of guilt about, you know,
1: Mm.
0: not doing enough when he had a stroke and helping enough or being there enough for him. Cause it was like, I can recognize now I was like, I was still brand new at life. Yeah. that was truly up. Um and I I can have forgiveness for myself now. But at the time and I just like I knew I wasn't doing enough or I wasn't helping enough. And so I felt really guilty about that. But I like went to the banister and I heard you talking to dad and he was like, You guys were talking about me and you were like, Yeah, I just don't know where Breezy is. She just like she she never Mm. she never does anything. All she does is sleep. Like, you'd think she would be willing to help out more. And I remember being so mad because I was home, like, four times as much as you were.
1: Wow.
0: And I was, like, I felt terrible because I I already felt like I wasn't doing enough. And then I was also mad because I was, like, you're going to say that? You're going to go down there and say that to the man? I drive to speech therapy every day. Yeah, And, like, that was the thing that, like, I think got me for a really long time, hmm. just because I was, like, still struggling with how to deal with, you know, being in an unhealthy place emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know, like... I didn't even fully understand that me sleeping all the time was like, a, was a, a product of how I was feeling. I thought I mm. was just, part of me was really just like, yeah, I'm just a lazy. I'm just lazy. That's what it is. Um, but it's not true. Cause I don't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was probably, that was probably the thing I carried the most heavily. Everything else I was pretty good at just ignoring.
1: Um, mm.
0: but yeah,
1: Man, I'm sorry. That's definitely one I didn't know about, and I'm thankful <laughs> that you. I'm thankful that you brought it up. And it's like, it's just one of those things where it's like we can we can know and establish now that we're di- that we're different people. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not. It's like it's not an excuse. Like the reality is, like I, I, um, I did not. And you know what? Just even like you bringing that up like brings up in me reminds me of a pattern that I have had throughout my life of, and, and I'm not like one to like go and gossip and talk behind people's backs. Like, it's just not like, I hate that. It makes me feel icky inside. But for some reason, that rule has not applied with the people closest to me. Because for some reason I like make excuses to say, okay, no, I'm just I'm just being real, I'm just talking about it. But I think, I think I just, I, because of, because of my pride but it's not like the pride of thinking i'm better than that type of pride i believe there's actually two types of pride i believe that there's pride in thinking that i'm better than someone else and then there's the kind of pride that's driven by insecurity and the kind of pride that's driven by insecurity is it comes out in ways of diminishing other people for the sake of building myself up because i feel so like insecure and oh, and totally. so there's no, so there's no, obviously there's no, there's no excuse for something like that. And I'm, and I feel, I feel bad and sorry that, that that took place. um And I, and I also can acknowledge like, my goodness, I, th- through my life have battled with an insecurity of, oh, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just thinking of this in the moment and maybe you could probably speak to it, having seen me grow up basically, but our dad, James Dick, was that guy. Like, he was just, the like, he was the dude making pies for the Starbucks baristas, blessing people everywhere he went, like, mm-hmm. just an encouragement for people. And, and like, you, we just knew growing up that everyone relied on dad for a lot of stuff. And it's not, like, he was still present with us. It's not like he abandoned us for youth ministry. Like, I know a lot of people who were like, yeah, my dad never came home because he was always at the church like I think he probably right. had those those days but like for the most part I remember him being so present with us and doing activities with us and prioritizing time with the family but with so many people that looked up to him I think I I think I had a lot of insecurity feeling like I'll never be like that I can mm-hmm. never be that good like no one will ever think of me that highly and so then in moments like that where I had the conversation with dad behind the stairs, like. There was this. There was a beginning of like, oh, she's depressed, and then it went, oh no, she's being selfish, and then it went, oh no, in order for me to build myself up, I have to tear you down, which is so messed up. But it, it's just like that's that's the reality of where I was. So deep and lost in my insecurity that I had to make up some sort of like image and picture that was not actually true, and and I still do this to this day. Dang it, like just mentally even like tearing people down that are closest to me to make myself feel better so thank you for bringing up that that story like that is that's transparent that's transparent
0: yeah and I that again like that's not something I hold that more makes me sad because it's talking about you know like a sad time in life with dad but yeah that's not something that I I hold and I know that like now that's not something I would ever expect from you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely I do the same thing. Like sometimes I find myself like secretly comparing myself and my progress to like other people's progress and mm-hmm. like kind of feeling good about myself when I feel like I've done something better. And it's so stupid because at yeah. the end of the day, like who, who cares Yeah. at the end of the day, the only person that like needs to like what I'm doing is, is like, is me, you know? Mm-hmm but no, you're, you're totally right about that. I think it's really easy to, to get into a mind space where it feels safe to tear other people down.
1: Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that is, that is a constant repeating theme in my life that I'm growing in. But like even today found myself comparing myself to the people that I work with and thinking, but on the opposite end, the insecure side of like, Oh, they're doing all these things and I'm not, so I'm not, I'm not good enough. But, um and so so on on the topic of dad and experiences with him um that that was a crazy journey and mm-hmm. if you're, if you're listening to this to this interview, listen to this podcast you uh and and you're unfamiliar with a bit of our uh, story with our dad and what he experienced in sickness wise uh, you can get more details again in in episode one and the origin story uh, but breezy, for you what what are your, what are your, like, go, tell tell that story from your perspective, like from when dad first started getting sick, what do you remember him being like before, after, and then what did it lead to?
0: I think that <laughs> dad, I think I was, I was always closer to dad when I was, when I was little, um, just because him and I were kind of on the same wavelength with just the way that we thought about different things. Um, And so I don't know, I remember him taking us to like Smith Rock and doing like scavenger hunts when we were like, really, really little, and we were homeschooled for a minute. And I remember him, like, um, showing me how to like, build birdhouses and stuff. And obviously, Mm -hmm. like, I think that I saw him, you know, as his health deteriorated. deteriorated. Um, like, I remember from the the first time, like, he went to the hospital. I remember that conversation, waking up in the middle of the night and our across the street neighbor, um, Ryan, was in the house making breakfast because, like, they had to go back to the hospital in the middle of the night. And hmm. then that just kind of being, like, what happened every two years or so, I feel like. And huh. then in between that was, like, he th- threw a wild card out and had like a super rare heart vascular disorder that should have killed him when he was 18, but he was still bopping around anyways. Yeah. Like literally should have killed him in high school yep. in PE class. It should have. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the fact that he was alive that long was crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah.
1: I, and they found I out during CrossFit like that he, like cause he couldn't breathe properly doing CrossFit and I realized <sighs> you should be dead why are you alive yeah
0: yeah he was like I don't think I can breathe and my mom's like mom's like you're just out of shape and yeah nah <laughs> yeah um I remember you know as time going on like went on I I remember seeing him feel like he was losing himself and I remember seeing him become more distant from people in certain ways, um, because of how he was changing. Like, I think it, it got more difficult for him to like, understand, okay, I should always be a kind person, but I shouldn't give a bunch of money to, every random person that I meet who tells me that they're desperate for money and they're a good person and they will not use the money for something bad.
1: Yeah. He just Um, lost his filter.
0: Yeah. He lost his filter. I think though that like, I can see when people say that he changed a little bit. I see that, but I also at the same time, I just was so, I don't know. I, not to say that everybody else wasn't, but I was like, I was always on his team. I was always Mm -hmm. like, when someone was like, Oh, yeah, dad did this weird thing. Like he yelled, like I would like, I, after processing the information, I was always like, but that's not him. You know, like that, that's not him. He's still weird and he's still the kindest person I know. And that's it. And that I think never changed for me. And I think even just like, as I'm getting older, I'm forgetting about the small things. And the only thing I remember is the kindness. And I think that's just because that's who he was Yeah. at the end of the day, no matter how many times they scraped his brain around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was sad. Um, but I, I feel like I, I feel like I, I never really felt like I lost him until the mm. stroke. And then it was even hard because he still was who he was, which was kind.
1: Yeah. Um, But I still felt like,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. It's soaked up. (laughs) Um, So I really struggled with why do I feel like he's gone, but he's still who he is and who he's always been? Because that's how I always rationalize it to myself was. Things are different, but he's still the nicest dad that I know, and he's still the funniest dad that I know. So he's not really actually that different. Um, Yeah, but post-stroke, like when he couldn't talk anymore and was having trouble walking, it was just like, that was the hardest part out of all of it. Um, Because I couldn't talk to him anymore. And that's right. so selfish. And I hated people for abandoning him because they couldn't talk to him anymore. Yeah. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I missed. He would take me to 7-Eleven and get a can of Pringles and we would get a Slurpee and we would sit at the tennis courts and just like,
1: After talk. His grip, when he was, when, when he was paralyzed and had aphasia, couldn't like, speak. That's, he, you, I mean, drive him.
0: we did that before, but I mean, we continued to do that afterwards. Oh,
1: wow. That's cool.
0: Yeah. um, And so but you know, but we couldn't like talk the same way. And then also there was a part of me that was like, I don't know if he really understands anything that I'm saying, because he's just so nice. And he he can see in our faces like I see in his face that he understands when he talks to someone. And they don't know if he understands them. They look really sad and upset and He's just so nice that he doesn't want anyone to be sad and upset. So there were times that I was like, I know you don't understand me. You just don't want to see that look on my face. So you're smiling and laughing at what I'm saying and pretending that you know what's going on. He's
1: almost following social cues versus actually knowing the words that you're saying.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Um, Other times, though, I think that he was I think that he was completely present, but just was cut off verbally, which was almost worse. Yes.
1: Um, I agree. I, th- I think that, I think that his ability to understand was actually more than, than we would assume. And I think you're right though. I think there were times where he would probably put on a face because he just was not able to keep up in certain mm-hmm. places because, um, because, because he had the stroke and because he was unable to speak the words that came to his mind, I think that, like there was definitely those moments where he just felt, he just felt trapped. And, um, but yeah, it's so interesting. Like just, just hearing that perspective too, cause that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in with all of those, with all of those things and our experiences with dad and, um, and some memories that, that you had and were able to have that were sweet, but even you just being, being transparent and, and mentioning the, the guilt that you have have felt at times of like not spending enough time with him or mm-hmm. cherishing the moments like after the stroke, when, when he just sat alone, because quite honestly, like I, I can't, I can't blame people for kind of backing out of his life because they did not have the capacity to love that he had. Yeah. And his capacity to love regardless of someone's situation was far beyond anybody's ability that I've ever met oh seriously
0: yeah yes
1: and and but but for other people they're like I can't I can't match that and and maybe similar to me and the way that I felt growing up is like I can't like I can't give you what you would give me so I'm not going to give anything at all Mm -hmm. um it's almost like a it's almost like a surrender give up like just kind of quit but but it's awkward like if you're trying to have a conversation with somebody who Sometimes you don't know if he's understanding you, but certainly you cannot understand him. That's that's difficult. Um and it was also like, but it's also like moments of hope for me, though, and conversations with him. Like when we left the hospital in January of uh 2017. And after his last CAT scan or MRI, the doctor sat with mom, dad, and I, and um, and I had I had driven dad into town that day. Um and and the doctor said you've got 6 months to live because of all these new health things that are popping up. And in the car on the way home, literally like mom goes to work cuz she's got to finish some meetings before she comes home and she kind of knew it was coming and it's like we'd already lost him, right? Like when he had his stroke, like we'd lost him then truly. And maybe not physically, but our dad, we'd lost him at his stroke in 2015. Yeah. Um, but in the car on the way home, I'm just like I didn't know what to feel, but I'd also kind of blocked off my feelings because I felt like I still needed to put on something that I wasn't necessarily ready to put on, like had to be the man of the house or whatever. And and so I didn't know what I was feeling, but I remember Dad turning to me and you know how like there were times we could understand what he was saying, but um, it was like he, the, the words weren't clear, but it's like you know exactly what he's saying. And I think I've told you this before, but it was just such a crazy moment when he looked at me and said, "You know what, Zach." God told me that I was going to die before I was 50 when I was your age. And that like any sort of anxiety that I felt in that. Moment, and, and like people think like, no, he didn't actually say that. And I'm like, I, I went, I went back and I'm like, I'm sorry. What, what did you just say? He's like, yeah. When I, it was like, there were moments of unclarity and there were moments of clarity in a muffled voice. And this was beyond clear. And I just mm-hmm. had this overwhelming peace in that moment. I'm like, okay, All right. He believes that God told him he was going to die before he was 50 when he was 20 years old. And and that story was corroborated recently when I was in Canada visiting visiting his family when our Auntie Jackie, his sister, told me, yeah, one day um, you were still in high school and we were walking down the street and he just told me that um, he thought he was going to die before he was 50. This was pre-stroke. I don't know if you did. You know that. Did you know that from Jackie's side?
0: No. But I believe, I believe that a hundred percent. I had a dream Crazy. when I was seven that has haunted me my entire life that I what? think is about dad's stroke. Yeah.
1: What was, what was the dream?
0: I mean, it was, it was like six or seven. Um, dad and I were playing in the jungle and I remember we were having a really fun time. And then the hyenas from the, this sounds ridiculous, but the dream <laughs> traumatized me when I was little. Yeah. Um, and then the hyenas from the Lion King started chasing us. Um, and dad was like, picked me up and put me in this like swirly slide that led to safety at some other part of the, of the jungle. And he's like, I'm right behind you. And I was like, no, don't go. And he was like, it's okay. I'm coming. Um, But he didn't come down the slide for a while. And I was like, what's wrong? And then the hyenas were like laughing and they like brought him over, but they turned him into a bicycle. Yeah. And I remember that in the dream, I like was so heartbroken. And I was just like hugging this bicycle because I was like, that's my dad. Like that's my dad, but I can't talk to him anymore. And he can't like tuck me in anymore. And what am I going to tell mom? And I remember waking up crying and I went to therapy and told them. like the first time I went to therapy was when I was 15. And I remember telling my therapist about that dream before any of that ever happened. And she was like, why do you think that affected you so much. And I was like, I don't know, it just like, it was really sad losing my dad that way, because he wasn't yeah. gone, but he was gone. Yeah. Um, And then it like happened. And I think like a month after it happened, I was like, Oh, my God, it it was the dream. Mm. He's gone. And I can see wow. him and I can hold him and hug him. But he's not the same. And I can't talk to him anymore. And he's not my friend like he was my friend. Um wow. So I totally a 100% believe that. It's weird. Wow. It's it's life is weird.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So Breezy, we've we've talked about some really good history in our family and being able to just be real about things and I'm thankful for it. Um and and this has been much more uh, much more intentional and and have more depth than I even expected. And so what I want to do is just I want to make this is part 1. Of our conversation. And, um, and so we're going to, we're going to wrap back around, uh, in a couple weeks to hear the second part of, of this conversation. So Breezy, um, I'm looking forward to, uh, continuing this talk. That's part one of this conversation with my sister. And I, I really do mean it when I say I'm proud of her for what she's doing and, um, and, and it, with what she's pursuing in art and and just doing the things that I believe that God created her to do. Whether or not um, we believe the same thing doesn't matter. I can still be excited for my sister. And, and I'm in a new place now where, as you heard, like I was not a great older brother, and my pride really, really got in the way. But you know what's taken place over the years? Through the light of Christ shining into my life and my invitation of it, slowly, day after day after day, God is stripping away the layers of pride, often and most often driven by insecurity within me. I hope that you, maybe you're a follower of Christ listening, can hear from my mistakes and learn from my mistakes as a brother who was not kind growing up and now just desperately desire a relationship with my sister, my two younger brothers, my family, and people in my life who do not believe the same things about Jesus that I do. So can I invite you to learn with me as we grow together? Because walking on the way of light is not about perfection. It's about pursuit. We'll see you next week. Oh,